I love it. Yes, today. Welcome to the Trochia podcast series. Thank you for listening. We are committed to helping you as you grow in Christ. Join us at trochia.org. And my middle daughter, Kaylee, would watch me uh, read to my son, and he would read as well because he was four years older than her. And when she got old enough to try to read, um, what she did is she would memorize the books that I would read to them. And she would literally memorize whole books to the point where, you know, I was really tired sometimes, and I like to skip a page or two in my reading. And she'd go, oh, Mom, that's not how it goes, you know. And she'd recite how the book's supposed to go. And uh, so eventually she wanted to read herself. And so she picked up a book and she started to read. And once in a while she had encountered a word she had memorized and she could read it. But the other words she couldn't read. And so I tried to teach her to read. And she would get so frustrated because she had an expectation that the minute she looked at the words, she should know what they say. This whole idea of breaking it down and making the sounds and learning the, the words and how to read was ridiculous to her. And it would turn into this massive crying fest, and she stopped reading. She stopped wanting to read. She would hold books and cry. I have a little picture of her. She actually sometimes would cry herself to sleep. Look at this picture. Isn't that precious? Eventually, Kaylee did learn to read. When she went to first grade, uh, her first grade teacher was amazing and broke the spell and showed her how to get to reading. And she, to this day, is like an avid reader. She loves to read. You know, as I've been preparing for the service today, I've been thinking about prayer. I do think that sometimes we go into prayer, we think of prayer, and we have these expectations and these challenges with prayer to the point where some of us at times simply don't know how to pray. We can't even pray, and we struggle to pray. And I think in the same way that Kaylee struggled with reading, we end up in tears sometimes because we don't have the words. And today, you're going to see as we go into uh, the, the chapter of James, the last chapter of James, where he calls us to pray all the time. For some of you, this could be a stressful service, because for you, prayer is a struggle. Do you struggle with prayer? Do you find yourself sometimes not knowing what to say, what is the right thing to say, how to start, how to finish, how's the whole process supposed to go? Do you sometimes are afraid to pray out loud in front of other people? Like, you know, you're in a group and someone says, would you pray for it? And you're like, no, not me. Do you ever wonder, you know, does God really care? What's the point of praying? Is he actually listening? It's very vulnerable to pray because when we put our desires out there, now if they're not met, we're crushed. And maybe you have put your prayers out there to God and they weren't answered and you're crushed. And so prayer is a challenge for you. Do you struggle with prayer because you feel guilty, you know? You you look at your life and you say, you know, I've sinned so much. God's not going to listen to me. Like, he's not going to give me what I want. I've I've been very rebellious. So you don't pray. Or maybe the most famous one, I just don't have time to pray. Do you struggle with prayer? Today, as we study uh, James, as we finish this whole series of James, we're going to see that James concludes his letter in a very similar format that all first century letters were concluded. They usually were concluded with a thanksgiving, a blessing, a prayer. But James has his own style. He finishes a prayer just like his entire letter. If you've been in this series, listening to throughout the series, you know that James is a man who gets to the point. And he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, doesn't use a lot of words. He uses a few words, and he's telling us what to do the whole time. Did you notice that James tells us what to do the whole time? 
He is straight to the point. So he doesn't go about praying and saying something very flowery. He just tells us to pray, to pray. He calls us to pray. The whole letter, the whole letter of James, and by the way, if you've missed any of the services, I highly recommend that you go online. On the back of your outline at the bottom is an address, a website address, where you can go and listen to the prior services uh, here at the chapel. We went through the entire letter of James, and one thing that we see through the whole letter is that James is talking about faith, faith in action. He is talking about what things reveal the genuineness and the strength of our faith. And there now he ends with prayer. Prayer really is the most revealing aspect, but our faith is revealed when we pray. You notice that. When you hear people pray, you can tell the extent, the depth of their faith. Because how boldly do they pray? I know for myself, it, my, my prayer reveals my doubts all the time. And so today, as we go into our prayers, as we go into the reading, well, I want you to know James is actually going to teach you something powerful about prayer. And so if you struggle with prayer, my desire is when you leave this room, you're going to struggle a lot less. Because you're going to see the freedom that James calls us in through prayer. So before we start, I'm going, to have, I'm going to read through, and then we're going to study it briefly. So James chapter 5, if you have your Bible, go there if you would. <clears throat> we're going to read from uh, verse 13 through verse 20. And if you don't have it, it's going to be on the screens. Here we go. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. That's how James ends. Now before I teach... Because this is a day of prayer and powerful prayer of healing, I want to invite my friend Rosalind to come up. Rosalind, some of you know Rosalind. Does anybody know Rosalind? Like, let's give her a hand. So Rosalind is our prayer, mighty prayer warrior here at the chapel. We're just so grateful for her ministry of prayer. Every Sunday before we start the chapel services, Rosalind comes and prays for this space. She anoints every seat. She's already praying before you get here for you. And then she comes into the prayer room and she prays for us. You see, we're just servants like you. We come to experience God's presence. And she ushers in the Holy Spirit through prayer with us. And Rosalind has an amazing gift. God has given her the gift of song. She can sing. And she sings her prayers. And today, as we prepare our hearts for what God has to say in this chapter, I want Rosalind, if she would, she, she agreed to do this, to pray for us, to open our hearts, to release the power of the Holy Spirit in this place, and to fill us with his presence. 
through her prayers. So, Rosalind, would you pray for us? Thank you, Lord. Father God, we come before your throne of grace and we're lifting you up, giving you the glory, the honor, and the praise. We're thanking you, Father God, for everything you've done, you're doing, and you're about to do in this room today, this morning, Father God. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that for waking us up this morning, it's allowed us to come and meet you once again in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you because there's so many didn't get up this morning, Lord God, but you allowed us to come and to be in your presence this morning. So, Father God, I'm asking right now with all my mind, all my heart, and all my soul that you just move in this place today. It is our heart's desire for you to have your way. Touch us, Lord, and we won't be the same. If you move in this place today, Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, the captives are set free. So we offer up our sacrifice of praise. Let your Holy Spirit, Lord, let your Holy Spirit let it lead on as we pray. Just move in these aisles today. This is our heart. It's our heart's desire. Lord, we want to see you. For you to have your way. Touch us, Lord, and we won't be the same. Lord, come and move in this place. Have your way. Supernaturally heal in this place. Lord, move in this place today Move. thank you Jesus thank you Holy Spirit thank you for moving in this place now, Lord, do what you do best and bless your people. You know the desires of their hearts and their minds and their spirits. So I ask that you move upon them today, Lord God. Let them not leave the way they came in. Answer their questions. And we thank you for it. In that mighty, mighty, mighty matchless name. Ooh, glory. Ooh, the Holy Spirit is in this place. Yes. Move, Jesus. And we thank you. Amen and amen. right? <laughs> Rosalind, thank you. Thank you, Lord.
James tells us, he starts this part of the chapter telling us to pray. He calls us. He reaches out and says, is any of you in trouble? I'm asking you, are any of you in trouble? Is your marriage in trouble? Are your finances in crisis? Is your health in trouble? Is your heart aching? Are you in trouble? James says, pray. He says, let them pray. You know, the word that he uses for pray here, he uses a verb that's a a present word, which means that pray and keep praying. Pray and don't stop praying. Pray, period. Pray. Pray all the time in any way, shape, or form. Pray. If you are in trouble, that's what you need to do. You need to pray. This is very consistent with the words of Paul. Some of you may have heard these words in Ephesians 6. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. There's the same concept again for all the Lord's people. That's Paul in Ephesians 6. Then in, when, if you're in, in trouble, James says pray. But also he says, are you happy? Are things going good for you? Also, he says, let them pray. Any of you happy today? Any of you feeling like, you know, I came in here feeling pretty good. My life is under control. It's good. And you know what he says? Pray. Pray even in times of happiness, which is, again, consistent with Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians. Look what he says. He says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Pray continually. There it is again. Pray and pray and pray. Don't stop praying, whether it's in good times or in bad times. Pray. And then Jim takes it a step further when he says, um, let, the, let them pray if you're happy. He actually uses the word praise. He says, let them praise. Now, you know, praise is just a form of prayer. In fact, the word that he uses behind this is the word from which we get the psalms, the word psalms. And so all the psalms, I, how many of you love the psalms? Psalms, I love reading the psalms. The psalms have both. They have prayers when someone is in trouble, and they have praise, which is another form of prayer. We have praise thanking God. Now, if you want extra credit for this week, if, you, if you're feeling like you want to praise God because you maybe don't get a lot of practice to do so, I, I don't know about you, but I, I am actually pretty good at asking God for things. I'm pretty good at praying when things go bad, but when things are going good, I just get busy with things are going good. And I don't necessarily stop to pray. I, I might say a quick thank you. Don't get me wrong. I'm not that hard. But, you know, the reality is I don't, like, pray and not stop praying. I don't praise and keep on praising. So a way to uh, do that is I read the Psalms. And one Psalm in particular I love when I want to praise God, Psalm 145. So put that on your outline. Read that Psalm later this week as extra credit. When you're feeling like you're happy, go to that Psalm. Because what it does is it declares God's goodness. It's all about thanking God for who he is and what he does in our lives. So if you're happy, pray. The bottom line, basic thing that James is telling us as he finishes this letter about faith is pray. Pray whether things are good, pray whether things are bad. Now, there are times when we, when we, are, we cannot pray. Now, as a chaplain at Chalk Children's Hospital, when I did that for about a year, I saw the most extreme situations where children were diagnosed with terrible diseases. And, you know, 
We have all kinds of struggles in this world, right? But any time a child's involved, don't you agree, it gets a lot tougher? Any kind of crime against a child, any kind of illness, any situation where it's a child involved, it sort of like doubles up, triples up the pain. And so I saw that firsthand, people whose children died because of a disease, people whose children got terrible diagnosis and had to deal with years of treatments. And you know the pain that, must co that causes those parents. And I saw parents who didn't, couldn't even pray. They didn't have the words. They're like, I'm so glad you're here because, frankly, my, my brain is blank. I can't think of a single word to say to God. Some of them were plain angry at God. I met this week with a woman whose grandson drowned in her house in her pool. Imagine the pain and the guilt and the sorrow in her heart. And she said, I don't even know how to pray. I can't pray. Are you there? Because James tells us, if any of you are sick, and the word sick that's translated here is actually a word, it's called astaneo, which also means weak. Let me tell you what it says. It says, to be without strength, powerless, weak, feeble. It refers to both spiritual weakness and physical illness. And so sick, not just in a physical sense, but sick in every sense, in every part of your whole being. How many of us would agree that when we are spiritually sick, when our emotions are down, our body goes right with it, doesn't it? We, I mean, some of us sleep. That's what I do. When I'm, when I'm emotionally down, I go straight to bed and I don't want to get out. Some of us get stomach issues. Some of us get headaches. Some of us get backaches. I mean, you, you name it, some people get cancer from stress. James is saying, if you are sick to that level and you don't even know how to pray, because he's telling us pray all the time, but if you can't pray all the time because it's so bad in your life right now, he says, go to the church. Go seek out the elders of the church. These are people who have dedicated their lives to be righteous and holy and then share that with others. Now, you know, I want to make something really clear. James uh, doesn't explain what an elder is in his letter. Did you notice that? He just mentions them. Like, you ought to know what that means. Paul, later, he writes to Titus, and he explains what an elder is. Who is an elder? What, what are the qualifications of an elder? And he tells them this. He says, it should a person who is hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and dis disciplined, one who holds firmly to the trustworthy message of Jesus. You know, James doesn't give us all of that, but you know what James does? His whole letter is explaining the qualifications for an elder. Do you remember what we learned as we read James? That faith which is strong and genuine is revealed by how we live our lives, our character, our actions. We told us faith is revealed on how we deal with our troubles. Faith is revealed on how do we deal with our temptations. Faith is revealed on how we react to God's word, how we treat the poor. Remember, we studied all of that. An elder of the church, a person dedicated to following Jesus Christ, their faith is revealed by their actions. So you seek a person like that. You seek a person in the church who is following after Christ, whose faith may be stronger than yours at this time, and you ask them to pray for you. And then there was a, a practice of anointing people with oil at the time. Boy, I could teach on that for about a month, but you don't want me to do that today because it's not all that important. Because the point was that oil in the New Testament is used as a medicine, in a sense. Olive oil in the first century was believed to have medicinal purposes, uh, 
And what they would do is they would rub, you know, we, we think of anointing with oil, putting a little oil on the head. That's not what they did. They actually, like, rubbed oil onto someone. And, you know, how many of us like massages? Are they good? They're good. What happens when you anoint someone with oil, when you actually, like, put it in their bodies and rub it in, is that you are close to that person. Now, I don't know about you, but when you are sick, when you are down, when you are weak, there's a power in someone's touch right? They touch you, and right away, they're touching in you because you're feeling, your emotions are that raw. And so this idea of a closeness between that person who touches, who is right there with your suffering, they're not talking to you over the phone, you know, they're not sending you a letter, they're not talking to you from a distance, they're right up close and personal. Okay, bud, I'm going to come at you. Are you all right with this? All right, all right. This is my friend, bud. Okay, bud, bud. I'm going to reveal some things about you. Can I do that? Sure. Okay, so Bud has had some tragic things happen in his life. Lost his wife, lost his son. He's an amazing man. I went to China with him. And I know Bud is strong. This man is so full of the Spirit and so grateful for God. He won't complain, so I'm going to complain for him. That's what happens, you see. When we come together with someone of faith, we can see in their heart and we call out to God for maybe what they can't or what they won't. And so, Bud, you know, we, we went to China together. We walked the Great Wall. And while we walked, he shared to me his story. And I got to hear it, and I got to pray with him. And we got to, like, conquer that as though we were conquering the problems of life, right? That's what we do. We go to someone else, and we have them help us conquer the struggles of life. Are you weak? Are you sick? Are you in a point where you can't even pray for what you need? You go to someone who's a little bit stronger, just a little bit stronger than you, and you let them hold you and touch you and pray for you and be with you. That's what James is saying. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Thank you. That's what James is calling us to do. He's calling us to come to the church, to come to those whose faith is stronger, you see, I really believe your backache, your stomach problems, your illnesses, if they are somewhat related to your spiritual and soul pain, they're not going to go away until you deal with that. It's almost like you're, you're, you're putting a Band-Aid over a Band-Aid over a Band-Aid. James cares about healing the whole person. And, you know, no prayer is that we say to God is ever like, going nowhere. I mean, sometimes we feel like it is, right? We pray. We ask God for deliverance. We ask God for whatever it, we need, and it doesn't seem to happen, and we think, well, that went nowhere. I just talked into the air, and it's like, it did nothing. It is not the case. You see, God hears every single one of our prayers, but we have to seek him, and we have to seek his priorities, he has a different priority than you and I have, you see. For God, what's most important is our eternal salvation, our eternal healing. You know, we've all been separated from God because of our rebellion, because of our sin. God wants to heal that first. And so if that's not right in our hearts, then everything else follows. So we have to have that first. Do you remember the story when uh, these men brought a, a man who was paralyzed to Jesus to heal? I mean, they went through extreme trouble. He, Jesus was in a little house, packed with a lot of people. 
And so they, had, they wanted to bring this man to Jesus to be healed. So they broke a hole in the ceiling, lowered this man down by sheet, a sheet, put him on a sheet, and four guys held him and lowered him right in front of Jesus. I mean, don't talk about disrupting a meeting. Imagine we're sitting here and someone like gets dropped right here. Picture that. And they come to Jesus with tremendous faith. Jesus, we know, they don't say it, but their actions say it, that if we just bring this man to your presence, this man can be physically healed and walk once and for all. And we would expect Jesus to go, hey, you, man, you, can, you can walk. Because he did this all the time. You see in scripture, time and time again, Jesus healed the sick. But here we see something different. Look what Jesus does. Some men came, we're told in Mark 2, bringing him a paralyzed man. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. I got to believe there was a moment of silence in the room. Like, oh, oh Jesus, you missed the cue. That's not what we're asking for. We're asking you to heal this man physically. And Jesus says, I will heal this man spiritually first. That is what matters to God first and foremost. You see, our bodies, what is it, 80 years, 85 years, a long life like my grandma, my abuelita, 99 years. That's our life here on earth. It's a teeny little dot in a massive eternity what does God care more about, this dot or eternity? What do you want him to care more about? And so he heals spiritually first. That's his priority. Until that's right, I, challenged, I am challenged to believe anything else is going to be right. And then we pray according to God's will. I am not a fan of saying that our illnesses, our troubles, our challenges are created by God. When I was talking to this woman about this grandchild who drowned, her husband has completely rejected God and become an atheist. And she said to me, you know why he's against God? Because God somehow made that happen, allowed it to happen, and it's God's fault. And I want nothing to do with a God like that. But you see, God does not ever create evil. He doesn't. We live in a broken world where broken things, things happen. They happen because we have an enemy who seeks to destroy. That's what he wants to do, destroy, kill, separate in every way possible. God came to give life to the fullest. That's his priority. And yet we still live in this time waiting for him to return so that pain will be gone forever. Asking the big questions, God, why is this happening in my life? How is it possible that you allow this to happen? We don't know why he does that. But we know this. He is good. He is good. Do I hear an amen? You are so quiet today. Amen. Thank you. He is good. He is always good. No matter what's happening in your life and what questions come up, he is good. That doesn't change. God doesn't change, never changes. He is good. And he has a purpose for everything. Even what the enemy means for evil, he means and changes for good. His will is what matters. And so we're told in 1 John, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what he asks of him. You see, there are times when we don't understand what God's up to. 
But only in hindsight can we go back and go, wow, God took that which was meant for evil, that which was destroying me at the time, and he worked it for good. Somehow he did that. And then we pray like Jesus. You don't know how to pray? Simple. Take a look at Jesus in the most horrific time of his life, knowing that he was going to die a sacrificial death. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He tells his disciples, come with me. My heart is broken. Look what he says. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. This is like Jesus' darkest hour. And he gets down on his knees and he tells, he says this to God. Matthew 26, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Look at the boldness of that prayer. We can learn so much just from that. You see how clearly he asked God for exactly what he wants. No apologies, no doubts. God, is there some other way, any other way that we can do this? But God, Give me the strength to endure and do as you will. If we can ask God for healing, we can ask God as Jesus prays with boldness, with faith, asking and putting ourselves out there fully. This is what I want, God. I want my cancer to go away. I want my relationship to be healed. I want, Father, for you to heal my financial troubles. Father, I need you to help me with my child. Father, I need to help you help me with this ache in my body that doesn't go away, that back pain, that knee pain, that headache. Father, do this for me and ask for it with groaning, with boldness. And then say, God, not my will, but yours. And if it's going to take time for that healing, give me the strength to endure as you work out your plan for good. We wait on you. And lastly, James says, pray for each other. The one thing that happens is like this man, this woman's husband, is sometimes when life gets really tough, when we, our prayers aren't answered, we run away from God, don't we? We run away from our faith. Our faith gets so weak, we let it go. And as brothers and sisters, James is saying, watch out for each other. Watch out for the body. Is anyone among you now wandered from the faith? For whatever reason, seek after them. Bring them back. And then he gives us this promise. He says, whoever turns a sinner from the error of the way will save them from death. Do you want to save someone from death? No? I do. Absolutely we do. Look at the promise when we come along a brother or a sister, whether it's death directly for them or just death in their life. I know in my life, I did not become a believer until I was 40. I brought a lot of death into my life until someone came alongside of me and brought me to Jesus. We have to be there for each other. You know what it took for Kaylee to learn to read? She had to be willing to surrender. She had to be willing to come to someone and learn. Thanks for listening. 
We at Trochia are committed to helping you grow in Christ. Please join us at trochia.org. That's T-R-O-C-H-I-A.org, where you can sign up for our monthly e-newsletter, find blogs, videos, Bible study lessons, and more podcasts, all dedicated to Christian discipleship. And make sure to like our Trochia Facebook page to receive short daily devotionals. Be encouraged as our Lord's grace and peace goes with you.